1: And thanks for joining me here on Blunt Business here on CannabisRio.com. So glad to have all of you listening to us. Finding you, as you, uh, we always can find us at CannabisRio.com, the Cannabis Radio app for iTunes or Google Play. And, of course, wherever you find podcasts, all major platforms, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, and, yes, YouTube. Google Podcasts is now going to be transferring to YouTube. So if you, you, well, you can already find the show there, but if you wanted to find an audio form, it's going to be there pretty soon through YouTube and YouTube Music. So keep an eye out for that. So on the program now, when I looked at the end of year and I was talking about what was going to be going on in 2024, there were several news stories that, of course, blunt business and grassroots market is going to be following pretty extensively. Besides the fact that the rollout of new states, they're going to be either medical or adult use. Ohio being one of those, that's a really a spotlight that we're going to be looking at, and we're already looking to go and bring on guests that will go and speak to that, and also just in the areas of further legalization the areas of social equity when it comes to licensing and one of the areas that we've definitely talked about extensively last year and now can be implemented in 2024 is the possible the the most likely descheduling of cannabis from schedule one to schedule three but i wanted to bring someone that was gonna be definitely gonna be able to speak well to this conversation i'm Of medical professionals, I couldn't have done better with our guest today. He's appeared several times here on Cannabis Radio. He's a licensed, board-certified doctor of family medicine, a member of the American Medical Association for the past 17 years. He's seen over a quarter of a million patients as he's discovered health and uh, benefits of medical cannabis, founded three industry-leading patient care and digital education organizations. So you would know it would be uh, the founder and chief medical officer of CED Clinic and CED Foundation. I'm here with Dr. Benjamin Kaplan. Doctor, thanks for being on with me. Thanks for having me. Appreciate the time. And I don't think we've had a chance. I know I'm pretty sure we've tried to go and had you on blunt business. It's always been the scheduling's always been you're very busy. So to put the time together, it's really important and really great to kind of have you on for this particular interview. Now, one of the things you were working on that probably kept you pretty busy was the fact you recently published last year. The doctor approved cannabis handbook, reverse disease, treat pain, and then enhance your wellness with medical marijuana and CBD. Now, the handbook covers how safe cannabis use can help individuals manage the symptoms of a variety of common conditions, such as cognitive decline, cancer, chronic pain, depression, diabetes, insomnia, and headaches. So there had to be a lot of effort. I don't know how many resources are out there in this case, but talk to me about what it was to build out this book.
2: Well, I can tell you there are no resources like this. Um, that's right. one of the reasons I wrote it. Um, I've been learning about cannabis for about 10 years, you know, really rigorously, seriously. As you, as you said, I've overseen a ton of patients in my clinic. Um, and many times my patients ask me where they should go to learn more. Um, you know, their doctors are telling them, I don't know, go look for another doctor or go look f- online. And There aren't really great resources that guide patients with practical routines that are evidence-based and that are simple to understand. Um, There are plenty of cannabis books out there that are written for doctors, by doctors. Um, There are plenty of picture books that are written, seems like, for children to look at pretty pictures. Um, But there aren't really good guidelines for patients to know how to achieve success with cannabis. The Doctor Approved Cannabis Handbook, this is my book. Um, gives readers a tailored look at cannabis treatment plans. You know, at a time now, as we're about to talk about, where medical marijuana is becoming increasingly legal and accessible, um, especially for the people that are struggling with not just extreme illnesses. You know, people sometimes think cannabis is only for seizures or rare cancers, um, but people who are struggling with poor sleep, daily stress, ailments of aging that we all struggle with. There's no better time to explore this um, cannabis as a viable option um, and take charge of your health. And I really wanted to arm people with all of the studies. Um, Of course, that's impossible, actually, because there's so much literature. Despite what we hear, oh, there's not enough research. It's really bogus. Um, There's nobody reading the literature. There's nobody teaching the literature in medical schools. Um, But there's plenty of research out there. One of my jobs in my career has been to publish all of the research. I have the largest library of cannabis publications that's offered free to the general public to read, Um, but very few people really understand that stuff. Um, So I consolidated the most important research and I put this book together. Every single claim in the book is backed with evidence-based science referenced right in the back. Um, So it's meant for everybody to understand, but for the skeptics out there who want to read and see where this is coming from, my cards are on the table.
1: You're going up against a barrage of negative press that happens on a regular basis, with every time I see studies that come out that want to go ahead and make comments about the you know, conceptions of the of cannabis use and what's being said. And you know there are so many times where I'll see. Well, it wasn't that long ago I saw a study that was talked about, and the, they released the study now, but yet the study was done, I think, in 2014 and it was a small survey. It's all these different things that are being brought up that continuously they there are just those actors that and I imagine big farmers will behind it that they want to go ahead and continue to go ahead and put more pressure on the cannabis industry and and say there's always the issues they have where this, all this negative press and all these particular stories that are misinformed, that are strategically on purpose, trying to go ahead and dissuade and persuade those, the people that looking uh, that are looking at cannabis as a potential treatment not necessarily as a cure, but as a treatment, but there are so many different bad really people that are coming in using the media, using their way to go and, you know, through public relations, to continue to go after cannabis and debunk its use. So, with this handbook, I mean, you put yourself out there as that first resource, as you said, to take the front line. So, so far, you know, obviously, you've gotten good press and, and some good feedback from the book so far. But what have you gotten so far that you've been surprised? I mean, uh, reviews that have been put out there so far, and and what people are trying to go and say to debunk what all that work you've done.
2: Um, So, yeah, you're right. So far, I've heard really tremendous um, satisfaction, praise. Most of the audience so far has been the cannabis enthusiasts. Um, The book is written for everybody, not just um, experts, but novices as well. Um, So I tried to write it so that everybody could understand, everybody could approach it differently. Um, Most of the people who are in the silo of cannabis is evil and always has been aren't really looking outside their own neck of the woods. They don't care what other people think. They've made up their mind, and they're not really open to other ideas. Um, so I, I don't anticipate most of them are reading the book, unfortunately, um, because I wrote it in part for them. Um, the book is not just a sunshine raining down on all of the good things about cannabis. I do lay bare some of the concerns that we have um, when people use too much or use in inappropriate ways, um, but the book so far has been really well received. Um, one of the things that you highlighted right away, uh, which I think I'm really proud of is my experience in clinic. One right. of the things that sets me apart from some of the people out there who are, who are researching cannabis is I'm seeing what's happening in the real world. Um, you know, research clinical trials are like a botanical garden, carefully curated, they're controlled, they're designed to study specific plants, or aspects um, of whatever they're growing that are under ideal conditions. Everything is meticulously planned from the soil in these botanical gardens to the amount of sunlight or water they get. Um, it's not a realistic wild forest. And what I'm seeing is a wild forest. It's diverse. It's unpredictable. It's full of variables that interact in complex ways. In the forest plants don't exist in isolation. They're part of a larger ecosystem in the forest with various factors, climate, soil diversity, plants, animals, all of these things can influence the growth of plants. Um, when we look at the research out there, when people comment on the research, and believe it or not, when politicians vote on what they think is right or wrong, they're not looking at the real world. They're looking at the botanical gardens. Um, so that's one thing that I can stand on, which makes me feel proud to fight against the hurricane against me that I'm standing with patients behind me. I've heard how this plays out in real time over a decade. I have some patients I've seen for 10 years, and I know what happens to cannabis over that amount of time. Um, it's it's unusual for doctors to be able to say that. Um, so if I'm in that position, I, I want to scream it on mountaintops because what I'm seeing right. is really great.
1: And if I want to go look at you, so just do a Google search on a regular basis. So much is going out there to try to go and just go against what you've been working on so hard to go ahead and put together. And, and now with the book itself, uh, everyday people are, are able to be picking up this book. As you said, there are other doctors that might be picking up other books by other doctors. So, you know, within an industry, but to create a book that was, again, it, like a book of remedies, we would almost say. And I can't think of the one that was always so popular. People would go ahead and pull out if there's like a particular treatment that you use and cannabis would be one of those treatments. Now you have here this book. Would that be the same uh, would that be the perception you could try to create where it's kind of written in layman's terms. And it is something where there are remedies that can be alleviated with cannabis. yes. um, there are
2: sixteen chapters of specific illnesses, how to shop for cannabis, how to understand where cannabis fits in this crazy culture. Right. There's sections about history. There's sections about, social life with cannabis, I've really tried to cover as much as I could. Um, it's not a book that people necessarily have to read cover to cover, you can snack on one chapter at a time, you can look up a chart, um, you can understand how things are for you different than maybe your parent or your friend. Um, so everybody will take something different from it. Um, what I've heard in particular was feedback that this is a book people want to come back to over and over. Um, and that read made me really proud. I put in this book, for example, charts and the charts are take uh, page 88 you can look up where thc or cbd boils what temperature on a vaporizer those compounds will boil and not only that you can see what what studies have been done to show the medical effects of thc or cbd or we have thcv here not a lot of people know thcv but this guy is the anti-munchy cannabinoid And people who take thcv in higher doses lose the appetite and what happens to people who don't eat that much they tend to lose weight so this cannabinoid is up and coming as an as as a cannabinoid which might help people to have lower weight um you know in another chart i have how do you understand what microdosing is some people take small amounts here and there other people take massive amounts only at a party you know how is that affecting their bodies differently um, so everybody's going to have different kinds of questions. And this really compiles all of those answers in simple language.
1: So before we go move along, for people to go and find the book, I, I would look to, I saw it was on Amazon. Also, you have through uh, the publisher, BenBellaBooks.com. And I see you have an ebook, you have an audio book, and you also have signed copies. So uh, for those that um, want to go and look into the book, again, it's Ben Bella. B-E-N-B-E-L-L-A books. And then just look in the shop for Dr. Approved Cannabis Handbook. And I also just look for the same name on Amazon. Uh, Any other spots people can also look for the book?
2: Yeah, um, Kaplan Cannabis. So C-A-P-L-A-N cannabis.com is actually the book's companion website. Um, And I put hundreds of pages of free information and diagrams that people can learn about. You know, if they're hesitant to pay for a book, um, you have free information you can still learn there. You know, some people are curious about the different stages of sleep that cannabis affects or how it works with other medicines or how it compares to over-the-counter medicines. That's all on KaplanCannabis.com.
1: Fantastic. Now, we're going to move along to a commercial break, but when we come back, there has been a big story that came out, and that was the part where this really caught my attention that, what timing? It happened over on, uh, just over the weekend, as I'm recording this on a Monday, with uh, Dr. Kaplan, that... New York Times actually put out a story talking about that federal scientists are recommending easing restrictions on cannabis. We've heard about that, but then there are newly disclosed documents that federal researchers find that cannabis may have medical uses and is less likely to cause harm than drugs like heroin. So federal scientists now acknowledging cannabis in this way, which is furthering the opportunity for cannabis to be descheduled from Schedule 1 to Schedule 3. We're going to delve into this article and the what was going to be the implications in the what will come from a medical standpoint? We've obviously talked about from the financial, but we'll go into get into more details here with Dr. Kaplan. Dr. Benjamin Kaplan, founder and the chief medical officer of CED Clinic and CED Foundation. And we'll be back with more after a short break. And by the way, you want to go and follow Dr. Kaplan, you can go and look for his website, Benjamin Kaplan with a kit with a C C A P-L-A-N dot com or dot com. We'll be back after a short break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Welcome back to Blunt Business. I'm here with Dr. Benjamin Kaplan, MD, founder and chief medical officer of CED Clinic and CED Foundation, author of the Doctors Approved Cannabis Handbook. And I want to go take from a story from the New York Times that came out a couple days ago as we're recording. And I'm going to just take directly from them quoting in the story, they say, quote, cannabis is neither as risky nor as prone to abuse as other tightly controlled substances and has potential medical benefits and therefore should be removed from the nation's most restrictive category of drugs federal scientists have included. And recommendations were contained in a 250-page scientific review provided to Matthew Zorn, a Texas lawyer, who sued, who sued the health and human services officials for its release, and it was published online. On Friday night, uh, this is uh, January 15th, as we're recording, of course, for future publishing, an HHS official has confirmed the authenticity authenticity of the document. They show that scientists at the Food and Drug Administration and the National Institute on Drug Abuse have recommended that the Drug Enforcement Administration, DEA, make marijuana a Schedule Three drug alongside the likes of ketamine and testosterone, which are available by prescription. Quote, I anticipate the DEA will proceed with rescheduling and we know from a financial standpoint, IRS Section 280E would no longer be applied. We've already talked about that here extensively on the program, but the medical implications is what I want to ask you about, Dr. Kaplan. What would those be?
2: So I think we're not we're not quite there yet. I think the um, the excitement in the cannabis community and the general public, you know, both for and against rescheduling is palpable. Um, both people on both sides. Both camps on both sides are very excited about cannabis, um, vehemently against it or vehemently pro. Um, <clears throat> I think we are we're a little bit the cart before the horse. Um, you know, the DEA in the past has been pro cannabis. Um, you know, this is this is not particularly news. You know, in uh, the seventies, nineteen seventy two, the Schaefer report clearly showed you know, led by the head of the, the DEA at the time, um, that cannabis was not without medical value um, in. Well, in part of it is, you
1: always you that this because there was a lack of research. And I still see stories that talk about that now. But, you know, what kind of research can you do when there are limitations and regulations oh. put in front to be allowed to do research, to be able to get the kind of, you know, materials or exhibits to be able to go and do the said research in the first place?
2: yeah the the question about safety is is a done deal actually um in the judicial branch um 35 years ago there was an administrative ruling by the 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 dea's administrative law judge francis young um this was september 6 1988 determining that cannabis not only possesses accepted medical utility in the u.s but they actually this judge recommended that it ought to be available to qualified patients marijuana This is a quote marijuana in its natural form is one of the safest safest therapeutically active substances known to man period by any measure of rational analysis marijuana can be safely used within a supervised routine of medical care this is 1988 from um, a u.s administrative judge um, francis young so the judicial branch has said this is clearly has medicinal value um you know now the dea is the executive branch trying to piece this together um not a lot of people are aware but it's not just a question of u.s interests um you know the u.s right now is tied to international treaties mm-hmm. um there are there are several since the 60s um 1961 there's the single convention on narcotic drugs that was an important international treaty to which the u.s is a sign a signator, um where cannabis is listed On the schedules that is not allowed for for international trade for you know combating drug trafficking etc fast forward to 1971 the convention on psychotropic substances is another similar treaty um, that expanded international drug control um, over psychoactive drugs certain synthetics etc fast forward to the un convention against illicit traffic in narcotic drugs and psychotropic substances of 88 this is now the third major international treaty to which the U.S. is assigned as a, as a signature. Um, those bind the U.S. If we, we say on the one hand inside U.S. we're allowed to have these substances, but on international agreements we say it's not, that puts the U.S. in a very compromised position. And the DEA has to abide by their agreements. The DEA is not just mindful of what the U.S. citizens want. It's also um, a federal agency that is bound by enforcing not only our laws, but also adherence to international treaties.
1: Now, in terms of research that I mentioned before, Mm -hmm. does this change who can go ahead and evaluate research and be able to go and use cannabis to go ahead and understand more of the possibilities? At least it would be, I guess you would say, legitimizing in in the eyes of federal scientists. Now we get a chance to go and actually put some real work in and put in some studies that these federal scientists will actually acknowledge even more so. They see there's benefits, we'll talk about it in a moment, but to show the research that proves the point. No, um, simply
2: put, I think um, the rescheduling does, quote unquote, give more access, but access is not the problem. And uh-huh. research is not the problem. There's plenty of research out there that nobody is reading, nobody is Adhering to nobody is considering seriously, they're certainly not discussing it with patients. So the idea there's not enough research um, is a never ending argument. Um, I've never heard a doctor saying, you know what, I'm not going to read anymore, I've, I've have enough research on any topic. So there's always going to be a need for more learning. Um, to challenge existing norms. That's normal for medicine. That's part of scientific
1: understanding. Are there enough medical studies? Are there enough medical journals that are reporting on it? Do you feel like are there are some being suppressed? It's not
2: impossible to study cannabis. All you need is a DEA license and most providers have a DEA license. It's not very hard to to acquire products. It's not very hard to design studies so that you can understand what's happening to people clinically with cannabis. Right. um rescheduling makes it a little bit less onerous but for the people that are dedicated to studying it there are thousands of publications every year now this is not a problem as much as understanding and accepting cannabis as a legitimate option that's a problem that's a social problem it's a stigma that needs to be removed and to that extent i think rescheduling sends a signal from the government to the people saying we got this wrong that cannabis is not the evil that we thought it was it does have medical uses for which the us actually has patents um so the us has sort of spoken on both sides of its mouth uh, this issue forever but this would be a meaningful statement to the public saying we were wrong this does have medical value and that as an attack on the stigma that we all grew up with is effective i think that's the real meaning out of a rescheduling
1: now from washington D. washington dc's perspective there's still some corruption quite a bit over there and i'm sure that you know what cannabis uh, needs the help of alcohol and tobacco to go ahead and lobby in efforts to try to put out, what, $40 billion a year in lobbying efforts to try to get congressional legalization. While that has not been effective, but Big Pharma can put out three, four times as much. I'm, uh, my theory is, is that I think with this descheduling, this might open the door that the DEA is making this a distinction. Does pharmaceutical companies now say, well, now we're going to jump in and we need something else to go ahead and get people on board, And we need to be able to use cannabis for various treatments. What can we put into a shot or a pill? What can we do now to administer and start using it for ourselves? We've been suppressing the cannabis industry alone for decades to keep this off of our radars. But now this change is being allowed. In my mind, I'm thinking, well, well, drug companies can say, well, now we're going to jump into the game. We're going to go ahead and take this scheduling, and now start doing our work to prepare, you know, trials or start testing new products new drugs
2: yeah i mean the u.s political system is a very intricate puzzle i think one could see it through a scientific lens one can see it through a pharmaceutical lobbying lens um i think none of them is is crystal clear none of them you know kind of has the right answer i think what you've said is you know bears some truth that lobbying from pharmaceutical companies from alcohol the, the alcohol industry is effective and is meaningful um And cannabis to that and doesn't have the same kind of lobbying power. So the sort of discussion at a political level is not the same. Um, And actually, that's that's a fruitful point. You know, the scheduling system we're talking about rescheduling is not a scientific system. It's a political system. Yes. Scientists are not voting on this. Politicians are. And they are given a curated selection of scientific opinion. Um, You know, cannabis right now is scheduled as worse than cocaine (laughs) and worse than fentanyl which are schedule two. And I think if you talk to anybody with half a brain, they know fentanyl is killing people, cannabis is not. Um, More than that, you know, schedule three would put it on par with ketamine and steroids, which is still a different scheduling than Xanax or Ambien benzodiazepines like Ativan. You know, the the scheduling system makes no scientific sense. Um, Benzodiazepines, we know from, you know, a British medical journal a couple of years ago, shows an all cause mortality tripling that people who mm-hmm. take benzodiazepines are three times more likely to have some kind of harm related to them that's you know in my book not the same thing we're seeing from cannabis right so again this is not a scientific system it's a political one and it is certainly subject to a lot of bias and influence
1: i want to move along into what the new york times also reported here they also made the point that quote the review by federal scientists found that even though cannabis, I'm going to say cannabis instead of marijuana, is the most frequently abused illicit drug, it does not produce serious outcomes compared to drugs in Schedules 1 or 2. Cannabis abuse does lead to physical dependence, the analyst noted, and some people develop a psychological dependence. But the likelihood of serious outcomes is low, the review concluded. And they also said there is, quote, some scientific support, end quote, for therapeutic uses of cannabis, including treatment for anorexia, pain, nausea, vomiting, related to chemotherapy. Federal officials have cautioned their analysis was not meant to suggest they had established the safety and effectiveness of cannabis in a way that would support FDA approval, only that data supported some medical uses of cannabis. So that's still a pretty Big reach and an acknowledgement for federal scientists to go ahead and make those points. But again, they're still adhering to caution. They're not getting a full throated endorsement, nothing like that. But are you surprised that federal scientists, well, are, I mean, they probably knew about this, but now they're finally catching up and actually saying what doctors like yourself have known for years? Yeah. I mean, anybody who's paying attention needs to keep in mind
2: these discussions are about research that's published. This is not about real life cannabis. You know, what I do in clinic is treat real patients with real cannabis that's accessible to have real effects and benefit. What these guys are talking about and women in politics is what mm-hmm. research is published, what can get to their desk through lobbyists. This is not a clean picture of what's actually happening. Um, and newsflash, the government doesn't always get it right. <laughs> and in some in some cases, most of the time, perhaps they they get it wrong. Right. Um, so for sure, my window, I think, is is real. I'm seeing, you know, as you said, you know, close to 300,000 people in, in my career, I've seen the results of how people respond to cannabis, and it's overwhelmingly positive. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not hearing about that because of the other social stigma, because doctors aren't educated about it, because we all grew up in this idea that it was a stepping stone to other drugs that you were hooked on it. You know what the the quote you surfaced acknowledges is that people can become dependent on cannabis Um, and let's take a let's take a second to think about what that means you know I wear glasses I would say that I'm dependent on them because I see clearly and I enjoy seeing clearly that doesn't make it a problem right Um, when people become addicted to something when they sell their clothing so that they can get more of it that becomes a problem if they rob a bank if they leave their job if they can't function in society that's a problem. But if people can function better in society, guess what? In the current climate around cannabis, they're going to be labeled as users, as abusers, even though they're doing better than they were without the cannabis. That's a backward system.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I wish I had better answers. And it just is just it bothers me right now where we're at a point where. Well, Government cannot be said that they're proactive. They've never been that. And I, uh, <laughs> far from it. But at least to get to this point, I mean, what would, but otherwise, after all we've discussed, from a medical standpoint, there's not much more that changes that what has already been in place. It's not like there's more rumor or, again, more access, but not necessarily more doors opening for further descheduling or making it where. Cannabis could just be a prescribed product in any conventional pharmacy. It's not getting to that point yet. And, you know, does this, would you say that, I mean, for those that are in the industry that are cultivating and processing and dispensing, do you feel like that this approach right now, where the, you know, a government agency is getting more traction right now and allowing more benefits for cannabis and giving some more room for cannabis to be used and to be give us some more space for a lot of different reasons that they're getting more traction from the DEA than they would from Congress. And do you think that a step like this would probably recommend that maybe the decriminalization would be something that people can already expect before a full oversighted federal legalization of cannabis in general? What do you say?
2: I'm surprised that this hasn't been taken up more seriously and more often. Um, you know, the, the truth is Congress has taken up cannabis, you know, for for banking a few times, I think seven times overall, and and they just can't get on the same page. But the American public has spoken, they they want cannabis to be accessible, certainly for medical uses. Um, it's It's in the high 90s, the percentage of people that are in favor of cannabis being accessible there. Right. But most people want it to be accessible to the people that need it. I think the American public realizes that cannabis is nowhere near as harmful as nicotine and cigarettes, nowhere near as harmful as alcohol, even sugar. One could argue is is not as healthy and safe as, as cannabis use. Right. Um, so we have a system that is entrenched. You know, we've grown up in this culture around cannabis being this evil stepping stone and the whole system has to change. And the system includes certainly the government's perspective, but also the medical education, the general public social education, our our social circles and acceptance, you know, we see people stepping outside to take their medicine, you know, we sometimes judge them for that, which is different than, you know, taking a pill, even though it might be the same chemistry happening. Um, So we have a lot of growing up to do in our culture. Um, I think this discussion about rescheduling is productive, is useful for people to kind of hear other arguments and what they might be missing. Um, Again, my hope is people really just find what's better for them. And I've taken approach not to be a politician, but to educate the public through any means I can. I teach online through social media. I have newsletters. I wrote this book um, just recently. You know, of course, AI is popping up around us. Um, right. I created an AI chatbot so that people who want to can learn about the literature in cannabis, can ask questions that are personal, seeing if cannabis might be appropriate for them. Um, I'm trying to reach everybody I can because this is this has to be a community effort. You know, we've all come this far against every single odd against cannabis. We have laws, we have stigma, we have culture, all of it against cannabis. And yet we're still here, still fighting for it. And that speaks volumes.
1: And we need particular things like that AI chatbot because of the fact that even with AI, it still has to be what information is being programmed, what information is being entered and input into a particular AI system. And we already know there's some points where you know, there might be certain information that you might be asking for that will not have that information, or will, will not disseminate that information or give you the, the answer you really expect because of what's being added into it, what's being programmed into it. It can still be controlled in some way, shape, or form. And sure, it could probably learn on its own and eventually get to the point, but that's the part where I appreciate you're putting that out there, where you're putting the actual input of real, real important information that you definitely have that is, Accurate, dependable, accountable, and it's being put into this. Meanwhile, we might not see it in other places, just to make that point. And right. with that, the negative criticisms we have to go and bring up, because we're going to go into that because New York Times decided, well, they couldn't finish this long article without putting a couple of points in there that, uh, of course, somebody had to go ahead and say, take a little downplay on cannabis. They couldn't help themselves, but just take a couple of jabs. So they did. And so, Dr. Kaplan, I want to ask you about that after we come back from a short break. Final break, folks, here on This Business with Dr. Benjamin Kaplan, founder and chief medical officer of CED Clinic and CED Foundation. Again, his website's benjaminkaplan.com, uh, C A P L A N, CEDclinic.com, and also Kaplan Cannabis, C A P L A N, Cannabis.com. So you can go look for the book, The Doctor's Approved Cannabis Handbook, which is now available for you to go and find, ebook, get a signed copy, listen to an audiobook. It's all set there for you. We'll be back after with, with final questions with Dr. Kaplan after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more blunt business. We're in the home stretch with Dr. Benjamin Kaplan of CD Clinic and CD Foundation, also author of the Doctors Approved Cannabis Handbook. So we've been talking about the New York Times story where they talk about how federal scientists, before we were talking about how federal scientists now are acknowledging that, you know, cannabis should be to the recommendations of the DEA the that it should be re- removed from the nation's most restrictive category of drugs. And now we're at the point where in this story, they decided to go and put some points across the course, just to, you know, they can't help themselves. The New York times is going to just, they have to go and follow like, Oh, there's other people that are going to go and say, well, this shouldn't be happening. So here's what they put in. They note that any long running study of cannabis that the federal authorities have reviewed may not account for the escalating strength and increasingly frequent use of cannabis, Now, that's the part he said, but this is where New York Times decided to add, which has been tied to psychiatric problems and chronic vomiting among users in recent years. For years, there was this promise, ultimately unmet, that marijuana could be used to combat opioid abuse or treat mental health problems. This is according to Keith Humphreys, a Stanford health policy professor, former federal drug policy official. He also goes on to say, quote, Quote, as the science has gotten better in the intervening decades, most of the therapeutic claims about cannabis have been debunked. And the evidence that cannabis can in fact be quite harmful has gotten stronger, yet it is now the federal government decided to call it a medicine. It's a pretty strong claim he's putting out there. What would you say to that?
2: The history of medicine has been done, has been built on junk cannabis. Um, the government allows study through the cannabis that they grew. It used to be a, a hack supply in Mississippi. Um, so most of what we know about cannabis that's been published was a funded by the National Institute for Drug Abuse, who mm-hmm. I'll uh, let the readers know we're not cheerleaders for cannabis. No. Um, and if studies are funded to show evil, chances are if they want to get published, that's what they do. Yeah. Um, that seesaw has flipped in the last Five, 10 years where we're seeing many many more studies that show benefit um so it's true that the cannabis of today is very different than the cannabis of of your um and in terms of escalating strength that's true also on the good stuff um and we're starting to see a torrent of good studies of, of studies that are done well showing benefits of cannabis we have studies that show people getting better from headaches people getting better from stomach issues people getting better from heart attacks and strokes. Um, We have certainly studies that show benefit in terms of cannabis where it comes to cancer. Um, So really, almost every ailment of human suffering has a place for cannabis if it's used under guidance and used in an educated way. You know, anybody can abuse almost anything. Um, But if cannabis is consumed with guidance, it's an opportunity for people to achieve health and wellness in a way they never have before. Um, it's not under the thumb of the pharmaceutical companies, it's not a sniper rifle at a single pathway or receptor, which is what we're used to in traditional medicine. That's what medicines are. It is a completely different operator. Cannabis as it works in the body is more like exercise, or nutrition, or sleep. Right. It's a full system actor. Um, so rules that we're used to thinking about in terms of medicine aren't the same for cannabis. And similarly, the way that we study cannabis can't be the same. Um, so this, this kind of understanding hasn't really dawned on the folks who are reading these articles and writing them. Um, but I think that stuff is coming. I think as more and more people see the government, wait a minute, got it wrong, they're going to start opening their eyes up to how the information is coming in. They're going to realize the studies that were done in the past were biased. And the studies that we understand now may not even be applying to cannabis users in the right way, in a fair way
1: and see what I want to make a point of across being a media expert for a long time, by the way, 30 years in the industry will be coming up on January 30th for myself. I'll just say this when it comes down to thinking that mainstream press outlets are going to be the ones that are going to be the, the interpreters, they're going to be the ones that will allow, you know, the acknowledgement and endorsement of cannabis and, and allowing some of these studies and these research uh, papers, all these are, articles, all these things that are going on that are touting the benefits of cannabis legitimately, but they're being suppressed. Okay, I mean, what kind of judgment, what, what kind of, that? for me, how would I go ahead and trust mainstream press outlets that are out there, television, newspaper, what have you, when they want to go ahead and suppress those kind of stories from coming to the limelight, and of course put the negative ones out. Meanwhile, they're taking the advertising revenue of companies like Pfizer or Eli Lilly and putting out products like Jardiance and Ozempic as, you know, they'll, they'll take their money all they want and put out their commercials all they want. So they're getting paid by those. And you're telling me there's not a bias, not you. I'm talking about the audience. Ask yourself the question, do you want to go ahead and trust what's being said by there that you got to go and dig deeper and not necessarily social media, but like go looking for stories you have to start looking a little bit deeper and a little bit wider scope and spectrum on what you're finding out for this information. Because for me, just to find out for this, some of this information, I took a New York Times study. You know why? Because they put the story out there. And for the most part, they gave it to me from a, you know, give me the who, what, when, where, and why. But of course, they got to bring their editorial point into that, which that's their modus operandi. But the press, they're bond paid for in some cases. And you know, the difference between news and opinion is very much skewed. We don't have that anymore. It's clouded. There is no such thing as straight news or straight opinion. It doesn't happen anymore. It's more just opinion than anything else. So that's my point about it. But Dr. Kappa wanted to go ahead and let you go and follow up on that. Just on the fact of if people can get to this information, because some people still trust, oh, well, these big, you know, alphabet letter news networks and all these major newspapers and all these other outlets. Well, they're going to give us the information that we're supposed to be looking for. We'll find out from them eventually. And then we can trust what's being said. But what do you say about that? You know, that we are getting some suppression and paywalls and a lot of the things that are holding back this information from being seen in the light of day.
2: I'm old enough to remember media that was unbiased, that would let the listeners or the readers understand both sides of a discussion and let the readers or, or listeners come to a conclusion on their own. If you're reading a news article, you mm-hmm. know even by the New York Times, and it's only giving you one perspective, mm-hmm. I would suggest thinking, wait a minute, maybe they have a, a bone to pick. Maybe they have an agenda here. Um, it's sad that we live in a very polarized society where a whole news company tells one perspective, and we have a whole other news company that tells a countering perspective. Um and it's great at least that we have a debate. But each of us as readers or listeners gets to decide if we want to be bought and sold right. by one company or another. I would encourage the audience to you know try out different opinions, see what different news companies are seeing, um, maybe even check with experts, um people who are really dealing with this stuff. You know, do you want to learn from the research? great, find the research studies. If those are too complicated, find ways of translating that, for example, a chatbot that can translate literature. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if you're interested in the clinical effects, if you have something that's ailing you, if you have medical issues or medical bills that you want to figure out how to circumvent or or replace, maybe talk to doctors, maybe learn from doctors. Um, So I think you have to really think about what's personally relevant to you as a listener or reader, and see is this really the the source i want to trust you know are these people who are who are journalists are they looking at experts on both sides of a discussion or do we see quotes from people that are only on one side of the debate um and to me that's a slam dunk for something i don't pay too much attention to
1: and you are practicing what you preach because you're putting out the information so that people can go ahead and find it and let's go and get back to the fact that you put out the book the doctor approved cannabis handbook reverse disease treat pain and enhance your wellness with medical marijuana cbd You know, you're publishing and others are publishing and you're also trying to make it where it's pliable, it's mediable. And for people to go ahead and read it, they're going to understand and they can go through and look a very well-researched, well-sourced resource for those out there. And also in multiple formats, you're doing the right thing by that. So as we go and craft things up, let's go ahead and just let people know where they can go ahead and learn more about what you're doing because you are putting out information on a regular basis and you are seeing patients and you have the background and you have, you know, if given the chance to go and speak in front of Congress or, or just give it a public platform in one of these mainstream outlets, you could go and easily just debunk and, de- and take down. But, of course, who's going to let you on Where when you're going to go ahead and prove your point? And these same mainstream press outlets, they can sit behind and put whatever stories they have out there. But, oh, give somebody a differing opinion. Oh No, you're not being invited. They won't allow that to happen. They'll continue to go ahead and control the narrative as, as much as they can and of course if they're getting money by these big pharmaceutical companies to do those so yeah of course that's their prerogative they're money making businesses they're not about in the business of you know serving the people to you know what what's all fit to read anymore no there's money being made and so you got to take everything with a grain of salt and know that there's a clickbait out there a lot of it but it's still going to trigger people it's still going to make people think differently of the product but that's why when we look at what federal scientists are saying right now what the the scheduling by the DEA, when this story comes out, it's you can't avoid it. People are going to be talking about it all over the place. Once that happens, then there's going to be a lot of reports on it. And I mean, people are going to have to realize, okay, well, we've been told this for the uh, otherwise the other way around for a long time. What's happening here? Why is this changing? And they have to realize, you know what? They've been sold a bill of goods that were wrong. They were deceived. And hopefully that's going to start changing even more and more with things like this, with stories like this. So, all right, I'm done with my diet trip I've already gone on the soapbox for long enough. So, the book is available Amazon. Again, website also is Ben Bella Books, B E N B E L L A Books.com or Kaplan Cannabis.com, C A P L E N Cannabis.com. We haven't even taken time to talk about the CED Clinic and CED Foundation. Take a minute or so, right quickly, to go and tell people about the clinic and the foundation and how people could go ahead and follow along with what you're doing. Sure. Um, so, I,
2: I, of course, I'm paying attention and i see the lack of interest in the medical community for cannabis um, so i created this seed clinic ced clinic with a line a um macron over the e is pronounced seed um, and people that want to sow the seeds of, of health with cannabis can find me actually across borders um, i have patients all over the united states and some international patients at seed clinic um, and it's basically consultation. You know, if you want to learn about cannabis, I can find out what's around you. I can learn about you and decide what might help you most. Um, And better than that, I'm going to follow patients over time. I learn about how things go for you and I help you make educated choices. Um, I see patients who are on death's door. I see patients who are struggling with stress and sleep issues and anxiety and depression, um, all manner of of major common illnesses. Um, And for the people that don't Really learn one on one. That's what the book is for. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a perfect guidance. Um, you know, if if you can save some money by learning yourself, um, all the power to you. Um, but there's some people who just prefer to have someone follow them personally, and that's what CED Clinic is for. Um, anybody who wants to can book online at CEDClinic.com. And you know, I shop on Amazon. I, I buy the book that I want there. Um, that's shipped overnight. So anybody who wants to read my book can do that. Um, and as you said, there's a a audio book. Um, they said no to my voice, so it's a professional narrator, um, <laughs> and it's a, it's a fantastic listen. It's actually only 12 hours of listening cover to cover. Um, you don't get the benefit of flipping through the charts, and some of these charts include terpenes and cannabinoids and flavonoids that you'll see advertised at any dispensary shop, um, but if you want to understand what they're talking about from the dispensary, what they're selling, the book has a guide for that that's a little bit better by hand, um, And then people that want to, it's on Kindle, it's on the app store. Um, But anybody who's interested in me and personally, uh, personal consultations should reach out to me directly at cedclinic.com.
1: Fantastic. Again, paperback, Kindle, audiobook, it's all there for you. Dr. Benjamin Kaplan, thank you so much for being on with us. Really appreciate you taking time out and talking to us about this story. And, you know, we already kind of figured out that from what I'm seeing, this is most likely going to happen now. We're going to see this come in play, and this will be used as a ploy for, you know, the presidential election so that, uh, you know, the president in in that's looking to go ahead and be reelected, incumbent, this will be a feather in his cap for him that will hopefully help him get over the finish line and get him to be reelected. This is something I think that's being strategically planned to do that because they couldn't get legalization passed or safe banking or anything else like that, even though they tried, I will give it. And again, a lot of bills being put out by, you know, policymakers to make that happen. So there's not like there's a, a putter they can go and put up for a vote. But right now it's just that there's such a division in both Senate and House for that to be even possible. So we have to wait till after the presidential election to see what kind of sways around for that. But in the meantime, I do see this rescheduling happening, coming to be, and this will be used and it will be strategically timed right before November. I do see that happening. So thank you thank again, thank for being you. on with us. And any final thoughts, go ahead and feel free to go and follow up with me off there. Had the last word. No, of course. So for our
2: people, for our friends who are who are more conservative um, leaning, um, keep in mind that the cannabis laws as they are, are killing military recruitment. Um, hiring at federal jobs is yep. made hard when this is federally illegal. Um, and more than that, you know, the the medical, the medicine, the cannabis medicine community has some responsibility to bear here. You know, on the one hand, the cannabis community wants people to take it seriously, yet shops call products monkeys lipstick, and they treat this in an unprofessional way. You know, none of the medical dispensaries out there have really any medical training of note, um, and they don't incorporate healthcare providers in any significant way um, other than the nine states that, uh, that mandate uh, pharmacists, pharmacists to be on staff. Um, so this this whole, th- there is blame to fall on both sides, um, but for people who are interested in human freedom in this country and to allow adults to make adult decisions on their own without government hands throttling their decisions, um, it's really not a choice. You know, we should have the, the ability to buy and consume whatever we want as, as adults as long as it's safe yeah. and under the supervision of someone who knows what they're doing.
1: Agreed. Dr. Clapham. Thanks for being with us here on Blunt Business and Lizards. Thanks for listening to us. We're here for this program. Come back. We'll talk to you next week.